And now it's time to enter the lair. And Perth Lynx are on top of the WNBL ladder and sitting tight, waiting for another opportunity to play. One man who has experienced a bizarre return to the national level is Lynx assistant coach and former Wildcats captain Brad Robbins. Brad, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Back in Perth, out of quarantine, all these sorts of things make must make you feel pretty good about life again. Yeah, yeah, I must admit it. I mean, look, it, it was seven days in quarantine, um, so it, it could have been worse than what it was, but there's only so many NBA games you can watch. There's only so much Netflix you can watch. Um, there's only so much work you can do before you, you go going bonkers. So I'm very, very happy to be out now and uh, see the family and see some friends and, and back into a bit of normality. So were you able to train with the girls who were trying to get on court last week just to get out of the house or, or was there some restrictions around the coaching side of things as well? Uh, no, well, we're all under the same quarantine rules. So we were able to get in um, um, between specific times and we'll be able, we were able to have team practices with the girls. Um, but then you obviously we're straight back into, into protocol and we're straight back into our, uh, our home isolation or home quarantine. So how are you handling Sammy and Darcy at the moment, given they're on a different timeline of what you guys are? Like, and do they come in before you or do they come in after you or on different days? What's the setup? Uh, they've currently been coming in after us. So typically everybody, everybody else is out. The main group's already out the door before they come in. Um, but, you know, my advice to the girls has been, hey, you've had a busy couple of weeks. Um you know, maybe take the maybe three or four extra days that you've got just to just to rest the body. But you try telling Sammy Whipkin that, and she she if she would have keys to the door if she could. Um, and Darcy is very very similar too. So the girls have been working out in their own time, and they'll rejoin the team later in the week. You're a really interesting person, I reckon, when it comes to COVID impact sport. Given that you work in the mental health field in your your day job, like how yeah. tough has it been for players, and what have you done to try to help them through this? The the, the toughest thing. And, and I can speak from my own experience as well. Is is to um, you, on top of the isolation, you you get you feel isolated yourself um, potentially from within, and, and I know I certainly do. So um, my advice has been to keep active, keep busy, um, get yourself into a routine. You know, I was speaking to a couple of the Wildcats guys and they've, they've um, you know, been going through a similar thing over East and routine has just been the biggest thing um, for them. So, you know, waking up, um, go have your coffee, read the paper or, you know, read a book or whatnot outside, make sure you're getting some exercise, off to training if you're able to do that, back, um in, 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 into the quarantine, um, making sure you're catching up with people, making sure you're talking to people just to feel so that you're not, you know, sitting on the couch watching Netflix and and, and almost have that isolation on top of isolation. Um, and, for, uh, you know, it was only seven days, but for me that was critical just to make sure that um, I'm constantly on the go and co constantly active. What about when you're in Ballarat as a team and you're playing every second or third day and you're travelling and they didn't really get a chance to live a life because of the worry about COVID, but they're trying to prepare for elite sport. What was the focus on trying to avoid people just losing their minds with the worry and the stress? Well, and I can't speak on behalf of all the girls, but I think living over there um, for six and a half, nearly seven weeks, you, you felt... Um, the, the fear kind of dissipated a little bit. It, it became the norm that you, you just sort of had to live with COVID. Um, and I think that's a little bit different than living over here. I feel like at times 
Um, I know I certainly felt it before we left that you kind of live in fear because we're, we're in this little bubble. Whereas when, you know, we're over, over east and you're in Victoria and it's just riddled with COVID and, and obviously everybody's um, getting back to normal and, and trying to live through this thing. I've almost had that a, a little bit of confidence um, in, my, in, in myself, just that this is the way life has to be and, um, and, and not to, to dwell on it, you know, and, and, I mean, what what can you do other than just just keep moving forward with with, with life and and your everyday you know actions? I mean, you look back; it's been almost ten years since you finished playing. Your career was obviously brought to a really premature end with, with injuries. How do you reflect on it now? Because there's a lot of folks who you still be playing at your age. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I, I retired very prematurely, and it, it's something that I still struggle with to, to this day. I, I actually took quite a, a hiatus from basketball um, for about sort of four or five years um, before dipping my toes into coaching. Um, I was assistant coach in, in an NBL One program. I then came back um, and played in 2019, actually, with my brother-in-law, Greg Heyer, um, just in the NBL One or SBL back then. And um, and then picked up the coaching again. So it's been a bit of a bit of a journey for me. But um, basketball was something that that always grounded me, you know. And it, it was something that it, it was that routine that I had every single day. It was it was the reason to get out of bed in the morning, and and um, something that I really loved and and has been such a massive part of my life. So to be able to sort of go full circle now and and be a part of a professional program such as the Lynx, um, it's really sort of um, it probably taken away that bitterness that I might have had for, for ending so prematurely my career. Was the bitterness because of what happened afterwards with the team just going on a run and suddenly <laughs> becoming the most dominant team in the country and you missed out on that? Or was it the, was the bitterness because you weren't able to do the fun part of life, which was play? Look, I'd be lying if I said that every time they won it didn't hurt because it absolutely did. Um, I'm just grateful that that I was able to win one with the guys in 2009, 2010, I think it was. Um, but no, absolutely. But but on the same, you know, all jokes aside, oh, these are my brothers. I was I'm really close with a lot of the guys that went through your Jesse Wagstaff, your Damian Martins, your Greg Hires. Um, so I was obviously over the moon for those guys, and I still like to think that that I had some somewhat you know, something to do with the culture of the place. And as do your Vlahovs, your Fishers, your Ricky Graces, et cetera, your Paul Rogers. Um, you know, that culture is such a strong culture embedded at the Wildcats. And I'd like to have, um, I think, you know, I, I had a little bit of peace that, that I potentially had something to do with that as well. Um, so it's, it's not all bitterness. But look, if I could do my time again, obviously I would, I would love to be playing and, and to be able to get on court. And, and you know, Jesse Wagstaff's just played his 401, 401 was it, games. And, um, yeah, absolutely would love to be on that side of the fence too. You have transitioned now towards coaching and it started at SBL, NBL1 West sort of level as an assistant. Now you're doing the assistant work under Ryan Petrick. How much enjoyment have you taken from this pathway and the way it can take you into a different part of basketball? Yeah, it's such a different way to look at the game. Um, as a player, for me anyway, you kind of feel your way through the game and you kind of you know when guys aren't getting touches and you kind of know, well, this offence has been working the last couple of times down the floor or maybe we need to mix up the defence. And it's all from a feeling perspective, whereas a coach is so analytical um, and you've really, really got to know your X's and O's and, 
and you've got to see the floor uh, a, a lot differently. You, you see the floor from the sideline, basically, as opposed to obviously being on the floor. I've felt at times as, as a coach being on the sideline, you feel um, a little bit disconnected in that you, you can't come on and, and impact the game the same way you would if you were playing. Um, you know, you, you can't dive on a loose ball. You can't go up and get a stop. You can't make a big three. Um, you've really, really got to put... I think I have a lot of faith in, in the players on the floor and and you've really just got to give them the reins and say, here, this is the game plan and, and you girls go out there and you do it. Um, Ryan Petrick, incredible. He, I've probably never been... Um, there's one guy that he reminds me of and that was Adam Caporn. Um, Adam Caporn, he's now over in the States. He, he had this incredible ability to be playing and he would see both sides of the floor. He would see it as a, as a coach and he would see it as a point guard. Um, and he really, really knows his X's and O's and, and, and Ryan reminds me of him in a way, just the way that he sees the floor and he, he sees two or three steps ahead. Um, and, you know, often we'll go to the middle of the court and he's like, what do you got for me? And I'm like, I don't know, I've got nothing. He's like, yeah, well, I've got this, 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 this. And, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, no, he's, he's pretty he's pretty incredible and uh, I'm very lucky to, to be a part of his, um, underneath his wing, so. Do you want to have a team of your own at any level next? Is, is, that, the, is that the pathway for you? Or is, do you want to stay involved as, as high as you can go rather than maybe taking a step back to take over a team? Yeah, it's inter- that's an interesting question and um, I honestly don't have an answer for you. I, I think, and, and look, a part of this year for me was one, being a part of a professional outfit again um, and I am absolutely loving that and I could definitely see myself be it as an assistant coach, a floor up or whatever you call it, um, at a part of a, a, of a top-level um, high-performance program like this. Um, whether I want to take the reins myself, not too sure yet, but I, I did say to myself that if I can get through this year and, and still have that same drive and still have that same passion, then I absolutely would want to take over a team one day. Um, and I can tell you I've been away seven and a half weeks. I'm now back. Um, it's been a lot of ups and downs over, over the course of this season. And I'm still really, really keen, still really, really loving it. So I would say that, you know, I'd be looking to take over a team, depending on the level at, at some stage in the future. Well, that'd be exciting, I'm sure, for everyone who got the opportunity to play under you. I think it'd be awesome. And for Lynx fans, it's going to, what's going to be really awesome for you all is that there's a game coming back to the Bendat Basketball <laughs> Centre really, really <laughs> soon. Saturday, March 5, against the Sydney Uni Flames. First time in two and a bit years that a game we played uh, for the Lynx at home. But you'll have your former captain in Lauren Mansfield will be playing against you for the Flames, ex-Lynx youngster and current Australian Opal Charlotte Hill will be also in that team. And Flames coach Shane Hill, an Aussie basketball icon, will be coming to town as well. You must be pumped about that, having that opportunity to finally play in front of your own fans. Oh, 100%. You know, it's for, for, for such a long time, everything's up in the air and, you, and you're like, well, are we going to get a home game or what, what's what's happening with the borders? The team's going to be able to come over. Do we have to stay over here till, you know, God knows when? Um, so to be able to come back and play in front of a crowd, and I think especially for some of the younger girls that haven't quite experienced what it means to be um, a Perth Lynx, it's, it's, we're special over here, you know. We've got a great cult following, and you see that with, with the Wildcats, and, and we have the same with the Lynx. Um, so for, for those girls that haven't played in, in front of such a loyal um, community, I think they're going to really, really love it. Um, but I'm, I'm absolutely excited to coach in front of it. 
So to have had those, I think it was three games they called classified as home games in Ballarat, even though you're playing in a different state with no fans and yeah. and living in that sort of environment. To, to have those home games here, will that be a big advantage with the ladder position that you've got at the moment to be able to really drive home that advantage from here? Well, I think so. Uh, you know, I think any time you can, you can have the slightest bit of advantage over someone is is obviously a, a really good thing you know and it comes into factor a, a lot of things is sure you've got the, your fans you've got a venue that you're used to you, you're sleeping in your own beds versus now, now i've got a team coming over they're flying that you're staying in hotels um you know you, you're cramming into cars to get to training etc or to games um there's absolutely an advantage and and look how, how big of an advantage some teams handle that a lot better than others um, but I certainly think for us, the, especially with the mindset for us to, to know that we've been away for so long and now all of a sudden we've got this great opportunity to play in front of our fans, um, I think that's going to be a really, really big, uh, a, a, like a, a mental switch in, in the girls' heads, you know. I think it's going to be a really big advantage for us. The schedule's been, like, it's been crazy for you when you look at it. The season actually tipped off on December 4. You didn't play until January 2. Then COVID got multiple clubs and you had a 10-day break. And then you had eight games in 26 days and now you've got a 27-day break. Like, it's impossible to really get your head around what that's going to be because it's probably going to be nine games in 25, 26 days again. How do you manage that? Uh, very, It's a very difficult to do. <laughs> it's, um, look, it, it, it goes back, I think, to that mindset that, anywhere anytime you know we've got to have that mindset to to be able to turn it on turn the turn the taps on whenever whenever we required to do so so typically you would you would schedule backwards you know we've got our game here on x date and then we'll schedule backwards to try and put a a, a decent program in so that we get enough time on floor the girls get enough time to for their own shots or individuals for their weight sessions their gym sessions um and obviously then enough time for recovery. Um, by having a floating schedule, it, it's incre- it makes it increasingly difficult for, for, you, for you to do that. Um, I know our coaching staff at times does struggle. However, um, when you get to this level, unfortunately, sometimes the roll of the dice doesn't go your way and there's really not much you can do about it. And that's the way I think um, that we've had to approach this year is that there's what can we do? We're living in a, a pretty crazy time. I've certainly never been a part of any um, a part of any team or, or been a part of any league that's had to go through this. Um, but it's it's just having that attitude that hey, we're grateful that we've got games. We're grateful that we've got a season. So we go out and we do our best. You know, like I always kind of say to a couple of the girls. If, uh, you, you can have, I'll give you a sort of a day to, to be frustrated or, you know, yeah, frustrated at, at a, whatever it might be, but then tomorrow you rock up and we're back into business because there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing you can do about social media either. And it was a fair bit of discussion about the, the, the non-playing of the game against Bendigo compared to Southside not playing against Canberra and then having to forfeit. And there are very different scenarios when you look at the two of them um, in depth. But a lot of people just looked at the two of them and went, you guys didn't have enough players, you, you got to have the game off. They didn't have enough players, they didn't get, they had to forfeit. What was your reaction to the criticism that, that came the way, of the way that it was, was, was handled by the league and for the clubs? Well, if I can be honest, I don't, I'm not on social media. Well, I am, but I'm not, I'm not on there, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm going to have to sit on the fence for this one. But um, 
again, it, it's the type of season that we're that we're in. It's um, it's it's again. I've never seen anything like this in 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 my entire time of of being a part of a, a professional organisation or a part of a professional league. Um, it is what it is, and we move on from it. Well, as we mentioned last week, given the lack of games, we haven't had any podcast votes for the Lynx MVP award that we have on the Jewel podcast. But so we'll just give you another update on where it sits from a month ago, which is Marina Mabry still leads on 15 <laughs> votes, closely followed by Lauren Scherf on 13. Um, do you have an update on Marina's foot? How's she going? Uh, we don't. Um, I, I, well, I certainly above my pay grade. We don't have any idea. Um, but you could imagine she's been in quarantine. So um, I would uh, again don't know, but I would hope to think she's she's getting that looked at in the next couple of days and and, and being able to get back with our our medical staff and our medical team and and then I'm sure they'll make a decision after that. But you know, fingers crossed. And you had a couple of development players who couldn't travel with you to Ballarat. Yeah. I'd imagine they, they're now back with the group, which, which must excite them. Yeah, well, we're back um, with, with the full group. We gave the girls today off um, just to reunite with friends and family and whatnot after getting out so late yesterday. Um, so we'll reunite with the group tomorrow morning. Um, I've got a bit of an update with those uh, those girls that couldn't make the trip this morning, actually, and they've been here, they've been working out. And as you can imagine, they're young girls, so they're just absolutely um, you know, chomping at the bit to really get back with the group and and to, to reconnect. And it would have been a difficult time for for, for those girls because you you're kind of a part of it, but you're not you're not kind of with it because you're not there. And um, and obviously, being on the on the road for seven weeks, you become quite a, a tight group. You know, going through the adversity that you do. So, um, look, I've got no doubt they'll they'll fit in and they'll um, and they'll be super excited to get back on the floor. Hopefully they get an opportunity. It would be great for them. Now, we have a segment on the Dribble podcast called This or That. Can't sit on the fence. Got to give a genuine answer. We put this question <laughs> Nick K before as well. Unwritten rules in sport. They can sometimes be good. They can sometimes be bad. And we saw the issue in college basketball where the Michigan coach wasn't happy about an unwritten rule being, in his mind, broken late in the match. So what do you think? Are they good for sport or do they cause more problems than they, than they are designed for? And we should just focus on what the actual rules are. No, I think I think the unwritten rules are. Um, I think they're okay. I, look, I, I'm a I'm a pretty chilled guy off the court anyway. Um, so something uh, I would it's something I would probably laugh about to be honest. But I think the unwritten rule is is there for a reason and should stay. Uh, very, very good. Well, look, thanks for your time, Brad. Really appreciate you coming on. I know it's been a hectic couple of weeks for you in Ballarat and, and in quarantine since you got back here, but the team's on top of the table and hopefully things continue going really well and your fans can get out to the Bendat Basketball Centre uh, in, in that March 5 game and, and really celebrate the opportunity to see you guys play. Beautiful. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate your time. Well, that's it for the Dribble Podcast this week. Remember, keep logging on to thewest.com.au for all your basketball news and pick up your copy of The West Australian. Thanks to Samantha Rogers for her production work, as always. Thanks to Nick Kay and Brad Robbins for their time. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Dribble Podcast.